Hello, and welcome to the Climate Change Weekly Podcast. This is episode five. We're going to depart from our normal schedule this week, and we're just going to be talking about electric cars. And I'm going to try and convince you that if you're not already driving one, then you should be. So there's three key benefits from driving an electric car. Obviously, the first one that I'm going to be talking about is the ability to eliminate or at least reduce carbon emissions. Second is that you're going to eliminate ground-level pollutions, particulates, nitrous oxide, ozone and the like. And the third is very likely to save you money. Turning to each of those points in turn, does it really reduce emissions? Now, this is an area that there's been a lot of misinformation spread around. And obviously, it depends a lot on how the electricity is generated in your region. The higher the level of renewables that go into your electricity mix, the less carbon is going to be associated with your driving of your car. If you live in New Zealand, as I do, it's possible to buy electricity from a 100% renewable source, and therefore there are actually essentially no emissions from my driving of my electric car. In the worst case, if you live in India, where much of the electricity is generated from coal, then studies have suggested that the, the emissions are at least no worse than driving an internal combustion engine car. And obviously, as the mix moves more towards renewables in the future, they get better and better. Second point is the emissions coming out of cars and their effect in polluting cities. So this is a really serious problem. And in fact, Washington University recently published a long-term study they've done on the effects of air pollution. Researchers looked at how exposure to four main pollutants affected lung health of 7,071 adults aged between 45 and 84 living in six U.S. cities. They measured levels of fine particulate matter, nitrogen oxide, black carbon and ozone outside participants' homes and carried out CT scans to track the development of emphysema and lung decline. Following up on the participants for an average of 10 years, they found that long-term exposure to all of the pollutants was linked to an increased percentage of emphysema seen on a CT scan. In areas with increased levels of ozone, they found an increase in emphysema roughly the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day for 29 years, which is absolutely incredible. Their senior co-author said, we were surprised to see how strong air pollution's impact was on the progression of emphysema on lung scans in the same league as the effects of cigarette smoking, which is by far the best-known cause of emphysema. So clearly, by shifting to electric car, you remove the emissions all over the streets in our towns and cities. Yes, there may still be emissions coming from power stations, but in fact, it's easier to put controls in place that attempt to remove as many of those emissions as possible in one large power plant than it is across millions of individual car engines. So the third aspect is it will very likely save you money. Now, the amount it actually saves you will depend a bit on the price you pay for gas or petrol and the price you pay for electricity in your region. But in most cases, you should find that electricity is perhaps a quarter of the price of the equivalent for an internal combustion engine car. You also save on maintenance because... An average electric car has roughly 10% of the number of moving parts of an internal combustion engine car. So when you think about this, there's no cam belt, there's no oil changes or oil filters, no fuel filters, there's no transmission, generally speaking, so no clutch, there's no exhaust system, 
So overall, the thing is much simpler. And in fact, when it comes to servicing, generally, all they require is a change of tyres or a rotation of tyres. Even the brakes tend to last much longer because electric cars can benefit from regenerative braking. So the first thing that people worry about when they think about moving to electric car is range. And I know this varies according to what country you live in and what your attitude to this is, but a lot of people seem to be of the mindset that any electric car they buy must be capable of doing a a five, six hundred thousand mile road trip um, and must be able to take them long distances with only um, short stops in the same way that a, a fossil fuel car can. Now, I think that this is the wrong way to look at it. The place to start is to look at what is your typical mileage, how many miles or kilometres do you do in an average day or even, you know, a higher than average day. So what you really want to do is buy a car that handles 95 or maybe if you can 99% of your typical journeys, which in my case, 99% of my typical days would would involve driving less than 100 kilometres. Now, with an electric car, because a third of the car cost is in the battery, adding range is extremely expensive. So if you want to do that extra 1% of journeys where you might want to travel 500 or 700 kilometers in a single day, which I do maybe once, sometimes twice a year, um, having a car that can do that is considerably more expensive. So first thing you need to consider is do you really need that? So if you're a two-car family... You can probably change one of your cars to electric and use that for all the shorter journeys and use the other car for, for those long road trips. What we're going to do actually is if we have that situation next time is we'll hire a car rather than spending three times as much on a car that can do that thing that we do maybe once a year. So think about that. Think about what that actually means to you. The next topic I'm going to talk about is what car to buy. Uh, and this does depend a bit on your range. If you're like me and you would very rarely want to drive more than 100 kilometres or 60 miles in a single day. Uh, If you're budget constrained, then there's really one great option, which is the Nissan Leaf. A Nissan Leaf with a battery in good condition would have a range of approximately 120 to 130 kilometres or maybe 80 to 90 miles. And obviously, remember that typically in the morning when you set out, thing is fully charged because you're charged it overnight in your garage or on your driveway so you've usually got that entire range now the nissan leaf has been available since 2011 now i wouldn't recommend the oldest version the generation one the generation two started in 2013 and I, that's where to look and there are a couple of variants one of the issues with the nissan leaf was in the generation one and in the lowest spec version of the generation two they have an element-type heater. So if you live in a place where it gets quite cold and you need to use the heater, that severely limits your range. With the Generation 2 higher-spec models, they swap to using a heat pump, which is at least three times as efficient as the element heater and has minimal effect on your range. You can tell the difference by looking at the air conditioning knobs. If they're round circular knobs, it's the, it's the element. If it's like buttons then it's the heat pump variety, and that's the one you generally want unless you very rarely use the heat. Now, Nissan Leafs can often be bought very cheaply in different parts of the world. Uh, In New Zealand, we benefit from subsidies in Japan, which mean that when they get imported to here, they're actually very inexpensive. Um, I know in the US and in the UK, 
they're available at very good prices. Uh, if you buy one that's, say, three or four years old, it may well pay for itself in the next three or four years in the, in the amount you save on fuel and maintenance. So if you're looking at a second-hand Nissan Leaf, what sort of things should you be looking at? How do you know if it's a good car? Well, obviously, with an electric car, the key thing is the state of health of the battery. Nissan Leafs have a kind of a fuel gauge which has 12 segments in it, and that actually shows you the state of the battery. And you have this idea that you get a 12-bar Nissan Leaf, which means its battery is reporting that it's, it's very healthy, it's as healthy as it can be. That's all you can see from the dashboard. I would recommend going further, and if you're looking at a second-hand Nissan Leaf, go and get yourself a copy of the Leaf Spy app, which is available on iOS and Android. It connects either via wireless or via Bluetooth to a little dongle that you can insert into just below the dashboard. If you're buying this from a garage, they should have one of those dongles. They're a fairly standard way of kind of plugging into the diagnostics of the car. You can connect to that port using the Leaf Spy app, and then that allows you to go and look at all the details of the car. It shows you the details of the battery's state of health, and it'll give you a percentage number. What you should be looking for is a battery that has degraded at around about 25 to 3% a year. So if the car's three years old, you'd expect the battery to be, say, 92 to 93% state of health. That shows you that the battery's been fairly well looked after. The way the battery degrades depends on things like how, many, how often it's quick charged, how often it's slow charged, and it can depend on whether you take it all the way to 100% or only charge to 80%. But what you're really looking for is a car that has a state of health which is in line with that 25 or 3% degradation per year. If you have more money to spend, and here I'm talking about, say, up to 40,000 US dollars or the equivalent in different countries, then there are many, many choices available. But having read and watched hundreds of reviews of all kinds of different electric cars, I think the simplest thing is to buy a Tesla Model 3. It is by far the best option out there. Why do I say that? Well, it has the best battery chemistry, the best battery tech available. It has the best charging network anywhere. Um, fast chargers, huge network of those. The Model 3 has an excellent sound system, if you care about that. In fact, one reviewer said that it's as, as good as a $20,000 sound system upgrade that you can do on an Audi. It has over-the-air updates, so it's continually getting better, which almost no other car is doing. You get a new version, it gets new features. Uh, there's a version coming very soon, version 10, where it's going to get this um, smart summon where you can call the car to you in a car park and it will drive itself to you. And potentially it will have self-driving capabilities. Now, this one is a little bit more uncertain. Elon Musk believes that they'll be feature complete for self-driving by the end of this year, which, which I think sounds very optimistic. But one thing you can definitely say is there is no other car that you can buy today that ever will be able to self-drive. The Tesla might be able to because it has all the sensor packs. It has eight cameras, it has ultrasonics, it has radar, it has the hardware for running the, the artificial intelligence, and it can already do a lot of self-driving on motorways, and obviously now in car parks it can come to you. 
So it's the only car that you can go out and buy that may one day be able to drive itself in all situations. You cannot go out and buy any other car that can do that. It could be that over the next two or three years that Tesla will, as it gets upgraded by over-the-air updates, will get to a point where it can do more and more of the driving for you. And in fact, the safety statistics show that it's already safer driving on highways than a human is. Another thing to mention there is safety. The Tesla Model 3 is one of the safest cars. In fact, it's only been beaten by one new car, which is the Audi e-tron. But it's got five stars across the board in all of the um, testing that's been done. And the only test that it hasn't come top on is one done by the insurance industry, which hasn't yet tested the, the Model 3. So we'll see. They'll probably have very, very similar results. So it's one of the safest, one of the two safest cars you can buy anywhere. I think I'll just have a bit of a rant about VW here. Now, some of the options coming out are the Audi e-tron, the VW ID3, uh, the Porsche Taycan. All of these cars are made by the VW group. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Dieselgate and that basically VW were caught cheating on their emissions tests. The car detected that it was in an emissions test and made, a cha- made changes to settings that brought it within the emissions regulations limits. Those settings didn't apply during normal use. Okay, that was bad. They got, they've had some heavy fines. They've been forced to pay for building charging networks across the US and, all, and many other things. But what also, what's come out subsequently is two things. First, that they also cheated on uh, gas or petrol cars as well as diesel cars. Um, so that's only recently been revealed. And secondly, when they fixed the cheat, they actually made a cheat in the fix of the cheat. <laughs> so what that means is that they made a change so that rather than uh, cheating only when the emissions tests were being done, it cheated or it made those uh, low emission settings only between 10 and 30 degrees of centigrade in temperature. Outside of those ranges, it emitted way beyond the, the limit, the legal limits. And of course, emission tests were done typically at room temperature. And so this wasn't picked up. And it's only more recently come out. And it's caused um, the more litigation, more court cases. And it's caused VW car imports to be banned in South Korea. So... When you're spending your dollars, you've got a choice. Do you want to reward a company that has made it their mission to transition the world to renewable energy, i.e. Tesla, and have gone out of their way to help? They've actually open-sourced their patents to try and help other car companies produce quality products. Or a company like Volkswagen, who really has a broken culture in that it's cheated, it's lied to customers, when it was caught and asked to fix that problem it actually made a cheat in the fix and in fact they still have executives that are pushing diesel engines as a solution putting out really lies which are saying that their latest diesel engines are absolutely clean is how they describe them this is just not true they still produce nitrous oxide which is a precursor for ozone and we've just heard about how dangerous ozone is at ground level it's really important that up in the upper atmosphere blocks the UV, but down at ground level, it's a terrible pollutant. So on, only parts of that company have actually changed. There's still people in there. There's still senior executives that are still pushing diesel cars, which really should be outlawed. I won't be spending my dollars with VW. 
That's all for this week. I hope you found this talk interesting and I hope it's at least piqued your interest about going to investigate electric cars. Please do subscribe or follow the podcast and recommend it to others. We'd really love to grow the audience. And also, if you've got any feedback, contact me using the email address weeklyclimate at gmail.com. Have a great week and I'll be back next Monday with another episode of Climate Change Weekly. Back to me, that would be my fate. I need love.